early on, uh, we didn't really know much more about onboarding than anybody else, right? We just started writing about it, um, using sort of our best guesses and opinions. Uh, I mean, now we've had tens of thousands of people uh, go through our onboarding academy. Uh, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of companies build out their onboarding experiences. Millions of people go through those different uh, onboarding experiences, and, and we're measuring all of the data for them. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, a podcast that brings you insights and tactics from the greatest SaaS minds across the world. The show is brought to you by SaaStock, the conference to turn your SaaS up to 11, returning to Dublin in October 15th to the 17th, 2018. On this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show, I talk with Jonathan Kim, CEO and founder of AppQs, about user onboarding that acquires, wins and retains customers. User onboarding was far from the mind of the Hawaiian native as he went to college, What he wanted was to be a journalist, so he ended up going for a journalism degree in what was America's second most expensive university. To pay his way, he began doing web design and programming. The more he did that, the more Jonathan realized that this is actually what he wanted to do. By the time he graduated, journalism was no longer the career he wanted to pursue. Jonathan joined Performable, the company David Cancel and Elias Torres had founded together, which would eventually be acquired by HubSpot. A UX designer and front-end engineer at HubSpot, Jonathan was increasingly frustrated by the fact HubSpot didn't have the sort of seamless self-service onboarding that the likes of Facebook or Twitter had. Before long, he decided to leave HubSpot and pursue finding the solution for B2B companies to onboard users more automatically. AppQs was born five years ago and today has 55 employees and has just raised a Series A funding round. Listen on to hear why user onboarding is important. Every single product has a user onboarding experience, right? Whether you whether you design it or you didn't design it, like there's an onboarding experience. There's always a first impression, and uh, it's incredibly high leverage for businesses. I mean, the data just shows it, right? If you can make sure that that first 90 day experience or that first one week experience is really solid for a customer, helps like have uh, smooths out the rest of the process for them. How to go about creating great user onboarding? Establish what you're trying to do. Right, like set up the plan, understand your, your customer base, understand what they're trying to do, you know, map out the journey that you want people to go through. You know, what are the key things that they have to do, right? What's the activation event along the way? What's your wow moment? Um, take that to the team and start brainstorming ideas, obviously. Uh, and then just start experimenting, right? Execute and experiment. Um, and then just continue that, that cycle of like taking what you're learning. What are the effects of good user onboarding? The three big metrics that we uh, define for our customers are activation, conversion, and retention. And so like that, what's that key activation event, maybe in their first session or in their first week? Uh, and we help drive people to take action on that. AppQ's Director of Marketing, Ty Magnin, will be joining us on the SaaStock 18 growth stage, where he'll talk about product-led growth. For the three days of the conference, he'll be joined by speakers such as Morton Primdahl, co-founder at Zendesk, Cal Henderson, co-founder and CTO at Slack, Heather Zinsack, CMO at Pluralsight, and many more. Grab a ticket for the conference now, Sign up for the boot camps and the workshops will be running on Monday the 15th, which will have limited capacity. User onboarding is such an important part of any SaaS success that we are collaborating on the creation of the most extensive onboarding book to date. We'll be presenting 30 case studies from companies like Intercom, Drift, Buffer, Clearbit, Typeform, amongst others, during SaaS.18. We'll have a few more case studies slots, so if you're particularly proud of your user onboarding, you should get in touch. Be quick to send an email to irena at sas.com. Now on with the show.
Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. Uh, Jonathan Kim, uh, CEO and co-founder of AppQs. Welcome, Jonathan. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. No, no it's, uh, it, it's a pleasure. I think as we, we were just discussing before we went uh, well, say live or, or, or press record, uh, our paths probably crossed at SaaS Fest in, uh, in Boston in December where uh, you did a keynote at Patrick Campbell's uh, very cool little conference there. It's not, not often I... Uh, plug other SAFs conferences, but I'm, I'm happy to pl- uh, plug <laughs> Patrick's. Um, but um, so you, you uh, tell, tell us a little bit about uh, y- yourself, Jonathan, like, you know, who are you? What's your background? Uh, maybe some like personal anecdotes um, uh, and uh, yeah, then a little bit more about AppQs. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'm currently the co-founder and CEO of AppQs, a company in Boston that helps power the user experience for uh, hundreds and hundreds of software companies. And um, it's funny that the stat I really latch on to is uh, every month on average, about five to six million people see an AppQs experience in a product that they're using. And um, you know, my hope is that we're making those experiences just slightly better every single time. Um, my background, uh, I'm uh, originally from Hawaii um, and I've been an island boy all my life. I moved out here to Boston to go to school. I thought I wanted to be a journalist uh, when I was in high school. Uh, I wanted to be a writer. And uh, Boston University was one of the top schools in the country. Uh, it's also one of, I think it was at the time, the second most expensive school in the country. Uh, and so in order to pay for school, um, I just you know, started getting jobs uh, to learn how to code uh, or start making websites and web apps um, and taught myself how to code in order to do that uh, to pay for school. It was the highest paying thing that I could find. And uh, through that process, I started getting better and better at it. Going into graduate, uh, I realized I didn't want to go into journalism, and I actually enjoyed, um, you know, sort of being more entrepreneurial and making things. Uh, and so I thought I was either going to go start my own company uh, or join an early stage company and learn how they do it. And I got lucky that my first job out of college was a company called Performable, uh, run by David Cancel, who I think was on the podcast before too. Yep. Um, and Elias Torres. Uh, we got acquired by HubSpot about a year and a half after I joined. I was number eight. Uh, and then we jumped to a company of you know, 350 people. And I stayed on there for a couple of years before leaving to start AppQs. Okay, very cool. And uh, I guess um, uh, a, a personal anecdote, if you don't even mind me, me saying that, I've just found out, you know, one of the, we originally had you uh, down as a speaker at SASDOC 18, and we've got your colleague, uh, uh, your VP of my, uh, marketing, Ty, uh, uh, speaking instead. And uh, what, what's the reason that you can't make it again? <laughs> the, the, the only... Yeah. The only excuse we'll ever allow for someone not to come and speak at Sasna. Yeah. Um, so I recently got engaged. Um, I proposed to my girlfriend of about eight years uh, this past January. And um, we're getting married this October uh, back in Hawaii, actually. And uh, I, I initially after, because uh, I think Ty confirmed us to speak back in like February. And so I was already engaged at that point. I was like, yeah, I could totally swing it. You know, they don't have to go straight from Dublin to the wedding. It'll be a little tight. And uh, everyone was telling me this is a terrible idea. <laughs> Gonna regret it. You're going to piss money off. Uh, and so eventually I had to, had to probably say no, which I think is probably going to be for the best. I, 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 th- I think so too. I think so too. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll miss you in Dublin, but uh, I'm sure like, Ty is uh, an able deputy and uh, like, looking forward to, uh, to his talk. And, uh, and, and more interesting than I am anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and so, so AppQs, so you, you, um, like you, you started this after you left HubSpot. Um, how old is the business now? 
We're coming up on five years now. Uh, okay. When I left, which was the end of 2013. Okay. So, and, and, and so this is like, you started it to like, I, I guess kind of help the user onboarding better uh, user experiences. Um, like uh, tell us a little bit more about the, the, the early days like, uh, uh, of AppQs. I mean, why you felt this was a problem that you wanted to solve and then, and then how, I guess you kind of like formed, uh, you, you know, the team got the, you, you know, got the company uh, off running and did you take venture capital? How did you get your first customers? Like so, some of the insights into the early days. Yeah, totally. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm a huge believer that people solve problems that they're close to. And uh, when I was at HubSpot, you know, I was a front end engineer. I built out all of those different parts of the product. And um, one of the things that was really frustrating to me was that, you know, people couldn't use HubSpot uh, like we use Facebook or like we use Uber, right? In a really self-service way. And, uh, you know, they had so many people, so many leads who were signing up for the product who really wanted to try it, but it was just way too complex and confusing. Uh, and so I started taking it upon myself in my area of the product to figure out how can I make it so that people actually find this can get value out of it really quickly. I started thinking a lot more and researching more about user onboarding and user experience. Uh, and there wasn't much out there. And so I started talking to people within the company and I found out that there are literally people in the company who onboarded people to the product every single day, right? They're called salespeople, account managers, they're called customer success people. And you're picking up the phone and saying the exact same script to people every single day. And I was like, why isn't this part of the product? Like, this is what software is great at. Um, and it's because there's this huge divide between the technical and non-technical sides of the business, right? They just don't talk. It's really difficult if you're non-technical to contribute to the product in some way. And, um, and it just seemed like such a shame. And I got so frustrated by, by this problem for uh, long enough uh, that I eventually I was just like, you know, forget it. I'll go solve this myself. Um, I couldn't do it internally at HubSpot. The problem was way bigger than that. Uh, and so I left and started a company to do that. Um, I'd mentioned that one of my dreams or, or one of my aspirations at uh, going out of college was to eventually start my own company. And so after college, I had paid down all my debt, uh, my student loans and stuff. I'd saved up 20 grand of my own money. And uh, moved into, I moved out of my one bed apartment in Cambridge into a attic, essentially, with my now fiance uh, in Somerville, and uh, bootstrapped the company myself for about the first like ten to twelve months. Um, and I love HubSpot myself. Uh, eventually, I actually hooked up with Jackson um, about eight months into the company, uh, and he's effectively a, a co-founder, given the, the total lifetime of how long it takes to build a business. But he was the first one that joined on. Um, and uh, we were really scrappy. I mean, burning my own money really puts things into perspective. Um, found a ton of ways to, you know, leverage free products, uh, find things that were really high leverage, like sorting content uh, as a strategy really early. Um, we got our first 100 customers before spending a single dollar on servers and overhead, um, just using like really interesting technologies that were coming out at the time. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of different things that we have to do to sort of hack growth on essentially no budget. Um, and when we finally raised money over a year later, we had, um, I mean like 50 or so, I think customers, um, that, you know, were just like arm's length, right. They weren't people that we knew in our network that were being nice. There were 50 customers that were actually using the product and found it valuable. Um, and, uh, that was like really exciting and a reason for us to raise money. And so, um, with these 50 customers and like that sort of 12 months down the line after, after you bootstrapped it. Um, how was it just you and Jackson at, at that point? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and how many people in the company now, what, you know, what has that money enabled you to do and scale the company? 
Yeah, so now we are, uh, I just looked at this number the other day, we're now 55 people. Um, and uh, yeah, so we raised that seed round in end of 2014. It was like December 2014. Um, we've since raised uh, one other round, actually, Series A, uh, which we just closed um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and uh, so now, yeah, we've got a lot of powder uh, to help scale the company and grow. And for you, as a, I guess, like the first-time entrepreneur, uh, AppQ's, you know, your, your first SaaS company, um, you're on the venture path, you scaled from yourself and Jackson like a couple of years ago to 55 now. As a, as a CEO managing like 55 people like, uh, and managing this, I, I guess, scaling the company, you know, pretty rapidly, how has that been for, for you? Uh, um, how are you learning to... BCO manage, you know, 55 people, probably soon a hundred, you know? Yeah, it's hard. I'd say, I mean, this is the hardest job I've ever had, uh, but also the most rewarding. I think one of the things that makes it really challenging is, um, you know, the job changes every six months, right? It goes from, you know, in the first, uh, first year, even, you know, I was really hands-on. I was writing code, writing blog posts and things like that. Um, and then your job shifts to fundraising or shifts to hiring or shifts to, operations or shifts to like all of these different things. And um, like just after you feel like you're starting to get good at this thing, it's like, oh man, I'm getting really good at hiring engineers. It's like, great, stop doing that now. Go do this other thing. Hire somebody else to go do it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think some people really love, I personally love like that mastery of uh, being really good at something and, and you only get a small taste of it before you have to go on to the next thing. So I think that part is really hard. Um, but we've built an amazing team here in Boston. So um, I'm really, really grateful to have the support of the people that we have here. Do, do you have like, um, I know you, you, you mentioned obviously previously you worked with like David Cancel at Performable. Um, you know, you've worked at HubSpot. Um, I guess you've got your, your existing in investors. Do you, do you have like a network of mentors or like anyone, you know, specifically that's like really helping you and coach you to, to be a better leader? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say the, the first thing is I, I read a ton. Um, and uh, it's just great to hear like different perspectives as much as we can. All right, let me just pause here. <laughs> I don't know if that background noise is coming. Yeah, no, no, no. You're, you're in the US, right? We're, we're, it's, it makes it more authentic. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, uh, I read a ton uh, and just trying to get like different perspectives from um People have gone through different things before or similar things before. Um, they're just going to bring it to the table. Um, and, uh, I mean, David and Elias are still, like, really helpful. Um, I mean, they're also busy running, running their own companies. But sure. Patrick Campbell here in Boston. Um, it's one of the beauties of the Boston software scene in a lot of ways is that it's really small um, or it can sometimes feel really small, but it's pretty tight-knit. Um, and so those guys, the Wistia folks, folks over at Litmus, like, everybody really knows each other and looks out for each other. Um, and uh, I'm I'm really grateful to have them as mentors. Awesome, good stuff. Let, let, let's like you know move back to the topic of user onboarding because I I, I, I know uh, that this is something that you can like speak about, and obviously it's very sort of crucial for uh, I, I guess you know pretty much every SaaS company right that's uh, uh, that that's listening. So like tell us a, a little, or give some insights. You know what are like you think the most important like, facets of effective user onboarding? Um, let, let's kind of, like delve into that a little bit. Yeah, totally. I mean, it might be able to, or it might be useful to even say like, why is user onboarding important at all? Sure. 
every single product has a user onboarding experience, right? Whether you, whether you design it or you didn't design it, like there's an onboarding experience. There's always a first impression and uh, it's incredibly high leverage for businesses. I mean, the data just shows it, right? If you can make sure that that first 90 day experience or that first one week experience is really solid for a customer, um, you know, it improves their ability to like actually stick around, right? So they're more likely to actually find value, you know, maybe convert. Um, and they're also just better set up for success in the long term, right? And so further down the line, like a month or a year or whatever, uh, they're still there, still getting a ton of value. And it's just like, I mean, it's kind of obvious in a way that investing early and upfront helps like have, uh, smooths out the rest of the process for them. And so um, it's just so funny to me that people sort of push this sometimes into their backlog or leave it as something that they'll, you know, maybe one day get around to when it's got so much leverage. Um, the thing that we tell people who are serious about taking it on is look first, like establish what you're trying to do, right? Like set up the plan, understand your, your customer base, understand what they're trying to do. Um, you know, map out the journey that you want people to go through. Like what's that, you know, what are the key things that they have to do, right? What's the activation event along the way? What's your wow moment? Um, take that to the team and start brainstorming ideas, obviously. Uh, and then just start experimenting, right? Execute and experiment. Um, and then just continue that, that cycle of like taking what you're learning um, and applying it into part of this user journey and refining it over time. Uh, we call this our embed framework. Um, and uh, it's funny, early on, uh, we didn't really know much more about onboarding than anybody else, right? We just started writing about it um, using sort of our best guesses and opinions. Uh, I mean, now we've had tens of thousands of people uh, go through our onboarding academy. Uh, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of companies build out their onboarding experiences. Millions of people go through those different uh, onboarding experiences and, and we're measuring all of the data for them. Um, and so we're at this point now where we actually see it working uh, and we, we sort of know like what are the uh, archetypal patterns um, that work for people and we can actually make some more recommendations now. And this embed framework has been sort of a culmination of that. What, what, what sort of, uh, I mean, like with the data that you see, the insights into, like, I guess, the, the companies that you're working with, um, you, you know, what, what sort of data are you getting back from them when they have a, an effective user onboarding strategy? You know, uh, are, we, are we seeing retention, you, you know, uh, improve, uh, what, what, you know, revenue increase? What, what, what are we looking at? Yeah, the three big metrics that we uh, define for our customers are activation, conversion, and retention. Um, and so like that, what's that key activation event, maybe in their first session or in their first week, uh, and we help drive people to take action on that. Um, if they are not a free business, right, if they're actually charging money in some way, what's that conversion event? If somebody activates, they're actually much more likely to convert. Uh, and so we sort of like help you do that first step and then sort of track the correlation uh, onto the conversion and sometimes actually help them drive directly uh, conversion events like a company like Yapo, right? Uh, they are explicitly calling out customers to upgrade in the trial process uh, using AppQs. And Saul, you can't even remember, but it was like a, a seven basis points jump, right? Just by telling them, hey, you can upgrade in the trial. Uh, just saw like super easy bump, bump there. Um, and then the long-term retention, uh, which is, you know, hey, you announce this feature or hey, like you onboarded this customer. Are they coming back seven days? Are they coming back 30 days? Are they coming back 90 days? And, and say that I'm... Uh... A, a SaaS founder and historically user onboarding, you know, so we use somebody within the sales team uh, to like book a call in or customer success. Um, now by using like something like app cues, would we, or, you know, would I, uh, 
not need somebody specifically like um, you know, doing the, the user onboarding manually. It's just kind of like automated uh, like through app use. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can absolutely do that. I'm a huge fan that um, like there's definitely no replacement. Like humans are, are great at edge cases. Right? Software is great at common cases. And so if there are things that you find yourself doing all the time, like that's a great place for software to step in and do that for you. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you're in customer success or you're in sales and you're onboarding people the same way, like definitely use AppUse and automate that. Um, there are always going to be edge cases, right? There are always going to be new things and, and having a human on the frontier that are catching those um, is actually a really great way to learn what, what's coming next, right? What's the next evolution of this thing? Um, and so I wouldn't say like take humans out of the equation completely, um, but automate everything that you can, right? Everything that makes sense. Customers love that stuff too, right? Like they don't have to go to a person. If it's just part of the product, that would be great, right? And then they know that they can always go to a person. Um, but, uh, you know, our job is to try to make all software disintuitive and uh, make it so that you don't have to chat in or you don't have to write a support ticket. You can know that it's there and helpful, but like the product should just kind of be there and meet your needs when you need them. For sure. I'll, I'll be pretty impressed if you uh, uh, know the answer to this next question. But, uh, um, uh, I've, well, we always ask, uh, like, I guess, because often they, they're usually speaking at, uh, at SaaS.com conferences, what they're going to talk about at SaaS.com. But uh, what, what can we hear from Ty uh, at SaaS.com 18? Do you know the, uh, the title of his, uh, his keynote? I, I know he sent it to me, but I forget the title. Um, but if I know Ty, there's, there's a couple of different topics that I think he is really knowledgeable about. Um, I know one is growth marketing. Um, we have a really lean team of marketers and, uh, I mean, just with Ty and one other person, uh, we are pulling in some pretty significant, completely organic traffic. I mean, all of our customers to date, um, have been completely organic. Um, so content SEO, um, and, uh, on a team of essentially two, which we scaled up now to five, but, um, that's the stuff that he's really good at is driving growth. That's pretty good going. Uh, I, I will uh, dig out that uh, that title myself. Um, but no, I mean uh, so that you know, driving all your I, I guess sort of customer acquisition through uh, organic growth. Um, you, you know, it, it's it, it's not typical these days. I mean, you often see like a lot of like startups. They'll you know get started in, like you know mixture of like content marketing inbound and like AdWords uh, and, and so on. Um, why did you take that? approach um uh, specifically like uh, i guess it's a kind of a, a bold move yeah um i mean part of it is probably to blame it the hubspot genes right uh x hubspot so like they're all about the inbound marketing um we started doing inbound marketing even before I and mean, really early on before we even had too many customers and uh, it was actually the user onboarding academy was our first real asset and we just thought you know there's no definitive resource on this uh for user onboarding let's write it um, let's invite other people to, to join in on it. Uh, and that has just been a foundational piece for us over time. Um, Ty and Margaret have like completely leveled it up since then. Uh, we started writing a blog. We also started a, a website called Really Good UX, where we sort of highlight different UX uh, patterns that we see. Um, yeah, we just, we do a ton of stuff. And um, it's because we genuinely care about this topic. We geek out about it a lot. Um, and uh, it made it really easy for us to like, Know, sort of write about it and, and share that awesome and uh, the final question we always uh, you know in the show uh, just to learn how you know founders like yourself stay healthy and sane you know along the journey um what what's your way what do you do to uh, stay healthy and sane um i mean a good cup of coffee in the morning helps 
two or three maybe yeah 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 um i i um uh, i try to carve out time uh just to have breaks right just like mental pauses and things like that um i set rules for myself i'm like i don't work um every single day of the week saturdays are the day where i don't do any work um and uh and then i also have like my, my fiance and i have a calendar right a shared calendar and uh, just like blocking out times where it's like this is just us time like no uh booking over it um that stuff is just really helpful it's actually a tip that i got from patrick um which has been super helpful <laughs> awesome awesome well no, john uh, uh jonathan you know it's been uh, great speaking with you thank you for being a great guest on the sas revolution sh- uh, show today uh obviously good luck uh um uh with the wedding in uh, hawaii <laughs> and uh um we're looking forward to seeing uh ty and the accus uh, crew uh in dublin for sasdoc uh, 18 uh, so thanks again uh, jonathan kim uh co-founder ceo of accus uh, for being a, a great guest on the show thank you yeah great to be here I hope you enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show and have picked up valuable lessons from Jonathan Kim on user onboarding. As mentioned, we're working on a book about onboarding and we'll present learnings from 30K studies, including Intercom, Drift and Clearbit at SaaS.18. If you have a user onboarding process that you're truly proud of, we want to feature you too. Just write to Irina at sas.com and we'll take it from there. As always, if you like the podcast we're producing, please rate and review wherever you get your podcast. It makes a huge difference to us. Thanks for listening. See you next time.